This episode of the Major Issues Podcast is brought to you by Patreon.com slash CBC Clubhouse. Comic Book Click is on Patreon, guys. For as little as $0.10 cents a day or $3 a month, not only can you help keep the lights on here at Comic Book Click headquarters, but your donation gives you access to exclusive content like CBC commentaries, polls where you can choose what content we cover next, and special behind-the-scenes footage of things here at Comic Book Click. Visit Patreon.com slash CBC Clubhouse today and become a Patreon. And remember, you, yes you, are worthy. Hello everybody out there in comic book land. My name is George Serrano, aka The Don, and if you're listening to this, you can only be here for one reason, and it's a brand new episode of the Major Issues Podcast, brought to you by ComicBookClick.com, and as always, I am never alone. Sir, please introduce yourself. I am actually stepping in for Dan the Comic Book Man. I'm a variant. I am Dan the Comic Book TV Man. <laughs> oh, Dan the Comic Book TV Man. I do not know you too well. I do know your... Uh, sacred timeline counterpart. He was a deep, dear friend of mine. I, I don't know if he's at the void now or not, but I'm glad that you are here and so uh, specific too <laughs> that you're here <laughs> because um, today, me and sacred timeline, Dan, the comic book man, we're set to cover the Disney Plus television show Loki. Have you seen it? Can Can we talk about it? Are you down to fill in? Oh, there is definitely a Loki on my timeline. And it is a fantastic show. And I knew that Dan the Comic Book Man was doing other important things for his timeline. So I decided to step in because I just had to talk about the amazingness that is Loki by Marvel Studios. Yeah, it's our third official um, MCU show after WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier. Um, everyone's picking out their favorites. But this one seemingly had the biggest mystery while... It was obvious what WandaVision was kind of based on. And we even reviewed some of the comics that Falcon and Winter Soldier would go on to, um, you know, adapt. Loki was the big mystery. Loki was the big show where um, there was seemingly no source material for it. One of the other things was, I don't know if you remember this, but it was originally pitched as like Loki going through time and just like Loki at pivotal moments in yeah, time. I remember and affecting that. It was, like and a time, it was like a time patrol thing. Right. Like we are cops of the timeline and we're going to make sure Genghis Khan doesn't actually become powerful and stuff. Like, yeah, they made it seem like, like that. Like he was going to be affecting major moments in history. Um, I don't know if that was, if that was something that they abandoned, maybe um, that's something that they'll go back more to in season two, but this got really, dense really quickly what do you think oh this this show was asking questions that i don't think most comic book properties have the groins to ask yeah this show is basically telling you that everything you saw in the last 12 years of the mcu was predetermined was and that, that a, was that groin else, comment uh, uh for for the different sexualities out there i felt like that was pretty inclusive i like well, that <laughs> in, in, in my timeline, there is no sexuality. We just we rub just groins. Are. You just rub groins together. <laughs> well, well, really, the only difference is that some have the pointy nipples, some have the nipples with the holes. That makes so sense. That makes it sense. caused a lot of race wars, but we're good now. <laughs> and um, yeah, like this this show, I feel like caught a lot of people off guard. Some people loved this. Some people hated it. 
Um, uh, without any spoilers, what did you think of Loki? I think this is the best written MCU content we have gotten since its inception. And I love a lot of the high concepts that MCU has given us from Infinity War to Civil War, Endgame. Even the first Tony Stark was asking a lot of questions about the military industrial complex. But yeah, this this show was literally telling you everything you do doesn't matter. It is all set up. You're going <laughs> to eat cake this morning because some guy preserving the timeline makes sure you eat that cake. And if you decide to eat an apple, two cops are going to come and prune you. And reset your world because you were supposed to eat cake that morning. Right. This, the, 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 this show battles with the concept of free will and how free is free will? Is free will only free if you don't know that predeterminism is a thing? Right. Like, there's so much mystery shrouded in our own existence. And this show had the balls to tell you that we don't even know what our existence is. As someone who took on the task of trying to summarize and recap some of these episodes, I was constantly looking for what this show was about, what what the themes of it were, because to me, like, I got it real early on with WandaVision. And then because of, I, you know, I assume my military background and my fandom for Cap, I was in the bag for that with uh, Falcon Winter Soldier. This one took a bit longer, but we've discussed it in our super exclusive major issues group chat um, where other fan of the show, Jonathan Escudero, um, mentioned that he believes that the line that bookends the series in the beginning and the end, who are you, is the overarching theme of this series. Um, what makes you you and is it that free will, you know, or is it the predetermined fate that you believe you are ascribed to from whoever started all the, the real TVA uh, leader <laughs> in the world? You know, where do you sit on that side of the uh, debate? I definitely think that this show is about who are you like who who are you if there isn't a TVA controlling your your mere reality? Who yeah. are you if your reality wasn't destined to be that way? ABC over and over and over again. I like to look at a lot of different shows concept of time as a as a as a guide to this like Hill House specifically. There was a, a line that said, I used to think time was a straight line and events happen like dominoes, A to Z. Right. But really, time, it, it, time just falls around you like snow, like right. fresh rain. And The Good Place was very much a lot like that, too, where time isn't linear. Time loops and curves and bends and scribbles, and it looks like Jeremy Baramy. Yeah. And, and the, but the way Mobius was telling loki was that no it's just a to b but in a loop forever yeah because when he gave that line you're so this was the way it's supposed to happen over and over and over and over again just bugged me out like what do you mean so you're telling me when this loki dies that there's going to be another loki in another timeline that does the same exact like every loki in every timeline is supposed to have the sacred timelines path and what's cool about it is that there might not be any character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe as tied to fate as Loki, right? Because he swears that at the end of his story, it ends with him on the throne as the God King. You know, it, that, that's he's meant, that's, that's his destiny. And that burden, as he's spoken on many occasions about, that burden of glorious purpose is what drives him or what drove a Loki to a certain point before he ended up um, kind of be- 
turning babyface <laughs> throughout the MCU. So it was cool to pick a character that is so that believes in fate this much, that believes in you know the end result and you know if, whether or not the ends justify the means. Well, I mean, he was he was a literal prince that was kidnapped by another king and raised in that that royalty. And it mm-hmm. sucks because I look at it as like the Jon Snow effect or like even just even any Knights of the Round Table type setting where a king has now two sons. Yeah. And now the youngest son has to wait till his older brother literally dies for him to actually be on that throne. And if you but, think of the cold, the cold calculated nature of kingdoms, of military, of kingdoms, etc., conquest. In most cases, Loki would never get the throne, even if even if uh, <laughs> Thor died. Right? You're not gonna give the son of your enemy, even if you adopted oh, him. That's even the worst part the about keys it. Keys to the kingdom. That's even the, wor- that's even the worst part about it, is that he raised Loki to believe that one day, if he lived long enough, he too will command the armies of Asgard. Yeah, I, Only I think for that was all to be a lie. That's to pacify him, right? That's to not let him, you know, sharpen an axe in the corner while he's getting older and older. And, His and teeth just something. grow in dull. That's the problem. He just yeah. grows in dull teeth while everyone around him has razor sharp fangs. Well, his ears, his ears are sharp. Uh, he has that's, very that's, sharp what, that's what the man says. For those who uh, you want some background on this, Loki is a television series created by Ma- Michael Waldron for the streaming service Disney Plus, featuring the character of the same name. It's set in the MCU or Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, and it shares continuity with those films in the franchise. It takes place after the events of Avengers Endgame, um, but strangely enough, uh, after the events of (laughs) Avengers in 2012, in which an alternate version of Loki created a new timeline when he took the Tesseract. Marvel produced um, the series, and Waldron, Michael Waldron, is the head writer with Kate Herron, uh, as the director of the first season. So Michael Waldron started off as an intern for Rick and Morty. And then uh, Dan Harmon brought him in to do production for Community Season 5. Uh, after that, he produced a bunch of Rick and Morty episodes. But he has one writing credit for Rick and Morty. And that is Old Man and the Seat. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Which was one of, your, one of your favorite episodes of uh, one of the uh, remaining seasons. My, uh, it's it's in fact the only episode of season four that I like, because even Morty with the dragon, the only thing I liked about that was, um, uh, Matthew Broderick as the cat. But I'm but the actual literal entire episode, Old Man in the Sea, I feel like that is Dan Harmon giving us just a little bit of I can still write like season one. Yeah. But, and then, but now it turns out that it's Waldron who wrote it. So, um, so there you go. So the, my favorite episode of season four is written by my favorite show from this Disney series. But the, I started thinking, too, about the fact that this is a Loki of the timeline where they had to go to New York because three Infinity Stones were in New York. Mm-hmm. So then that means everybody in that after that event of Loki leaving New York is all been pruned. Most likely. They yeah, because that, the space stone didn't, on. the space stone doesn't transform him out of time. It just transformed him somewhere else. So I'm assuming when they put the reset charges, another country basically. Yeah. I'm assuming when they put the reset charges in that country, they it's like worldwide charges, right? Surely it can't just be. It's it, it could, yeah. It's not, <laughs> it, it's not just to that, that area. area. It's literally a timeline 
reset. So that means the the sacred, the ancient one, and then Hulk talking, and everybody doing the whole little re- Tony resetting his heart. Yeah, that's all been pruned. All those yeah. people are now pruned, and yeah. the only person to survive that entire timeline was Loki. It kind of makes you wonder why, like the ancient one didn't know about the TVA or Odin, but I guess they're all mere puppets in the, yeah, they're all mere puppets still on the same timeline. Um, Her thing is time, not like outer worldly time, especially since time was different in so many places. Yeah. If you guys want like a bunch of like, if you, if you saw Loki and you want to dive in a little bit more, I suggest rewatching Dr. Strange. There's a lot of time talk in Dr. Strange. Uh, especially with Caecilius, who believes time to be the enemy. So um, we're going to find out. And it's crazy because if you really think of it, it is kind of the enemy. If you can stop it, you would, you, I guess you live forever. So I could but see what stop. Yeah. But what stop? See, time is a man-made concept, but you, age. what is the concept you of age? Time? So surely something is passing. Something is, there is an age, whether the time is the clock that we created Something is yeah, but, is moving. Yeah, but think of the people, think of the species that we've seen in, in comic books that literally age eons. Yeah. And but then I, they finally get the wrinkles. Yeah, they would have, I guess, a different calendar or a different birthday at the very least. <laughs> I don't well, think then if, be... But if that's if that's the if if that's the case, then it's not really time that's passing, it's aging that's passing. Because if you could live to 500 and by the time you hit up 275, you're finally getting gray hairs and wrinkles. Time didn't pass you. Your age is finally starting to well, your, show. Your age rose. Time passed you in the sense that time is a word we made up to define whatever that means, right? Whatever. Yes. Whatever. Whatever it is. That <laughs> yeah. Whatever. You go from black hair to gray hair, <laughs> or when it go when the sun goes up and goes down. What you know, like things are moving and and breaking down and being born, and we're trying to create a term, a catch-all term that means all of that at once. Speaking of creating, this guy is also writer for Heels, that new Stephen Amell wrestling show that's going to be really? on Stars. Yep. And he wrote Multiverse of Madness. So, you know, if anything, I know. He's, what- the, screen- he's the screen, right? He's the playwright yeah. for fucking it. Oh, my yeah. God. And then, you know, Sam Raimi is set to direct that, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, Sam Raimi's going to direct the movie he didn't write? <laughs> this yeah. is going to be good. As far as uh, the director, Kate Heron's favorite comic book characters were Loki and the X-Men. Uh, she was pleased to get the opportunity to work on the project, you know, because it's her favorite character. She has a, sh- a few short films under her belt um, and she's directed some Netflix shows. But Loki is like far and away her biggest credit to date, which ain't no problem with that. The only thing that broke my heart, I think she's about 33. So she's like roughly my age. And she directed the first season of Loki. <laughs> and I'm just like, listen, Paige, Paige, Paige was my age when she won the women's championship for the first time on raw. Yeah. Remember that whole like Mr. That big mystery win. Yeah. yeah. When she won that, we were literally the same age. Time so. makes full of us all. Daniel, the comic book TV, man. It makes, time full, of makes us full of us all. Um, let's get into this spoiler filled. My notes are a bit scatterbrained in the sense that I chose to kind of tackle characters before I ca- tackle the plots. Well, I don't think we should really so much tackle like, episode plots i don't really think we need to go that far because i feel like there's a lot of things that happen that people should see yeah and as spoiler as we go you need to see how you get there like there was a show called columbo that literally showed you the 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 bad guy of the show in the first opening five minutes and then the rest of the show is following the police of 
how they how they get to that moment. So you always know who the villain is. You just got to see how they get there. So there's a lot of things I want to see how you people react with getting there because this show is really high concept. Well, not just time, not just free will and who you are, but there's a lot of love in this show. There's a an identity, of- right? There's love. a big there's a big identity uh, conversation about what makes you you and. You know, if there were different versions of you, you know, would they all have the same bad habits? Would they all have the same nature? Does that mean that that's your nature? If you find five variients of you and they all have the same bad ha- habit, right? Is that in your nature then to, to yeah, have that bad is, habit? <laughs> you nope, know, because like, if reality is infinite, then that means there's another five that don't have that bad habit. But then there's right. another 20 that do, but then another 30 that don't and another hundred that do and another thousand that don't. Right. Life, it, reality is infinite. There are infinite versions of yourself in infinite worlds. Think of, look at your circulatory system and how veins sprout out of veins that sprout out of veins that yeah. all pump blood. All going to the main part. Imagine if they took out all your veins but one and called it the sacred vein. Wouldn't that be weird? <laughs> you would die. Because yeah, you there's would. Not enough- it's a bad plan. It's a bad plan for those who remains. <laughs> Let's talk about the star. Tom Hiddleston, were you happy to see my man back as Loki? He is honestly, and I guess by default, but I personally think he's the greatest villain the MCU ever created. Yeah, I can right. see that being a narrative. I can totally see alive. that being a thing. Yeah. Um, well, no, I, Apocry- Domination is alive. Abomination is alive. Um, Zemo's alive. But and- he's he's far and away been the most showcased villain. Like, without oh, a doubt, there's no, not even a question about it. Without question, he's the most showcased villain in the MCU. It's like he's their only villain, and everyone else is just henchmen. Even Thanos got snapped to dust with no problem. Yeah, it was cool. And Loki finds a way to survive a a second time that he loses. He was a hell of a supporting character in the Avengers. In the when he was the main villain in the first Avengers, a hell of a supporting character in the Thor series. Um, it was really cool to see him get the center stage and get to like play around and be. All the things that we know Loki to be, whether it's a charming or uh, backstabbing or, you know, uh, emotional or any of those things. So I, I, I'm, I loved it. I loved Tom getting back into the saddle and he put it on like an old coat. Like it, it doesn't feel like there's any time missing. Like it doesn't feel like he got ring rust. And I mean, these movies are only happening, what, every other year. So I guess maybe he just stays in Loki mode. I mean, yeah. Uh, Infinity War was 2018. So this was only been three years for him. So it's not really that long of a, and, and imagine that he does a lot of like touring and press conferences, or he just go, he goes to the store to get a bagel and someone runs into him and asks him to, to say Neo to him. Yeah. So, you know, like pretty sure a like, lot of so, girls are asking Tom Hiddleston to say Neo when he shows up at the car. Probably, probably, but, but also it's, it's beautiful because, what it is is, yeah, it's Tom Hiddleston playing Loki, but mm-hmm. this is now Tom Hiddleston. It's essentially, in a weird way, a singularly character reboot played by the same actor. This is a reboot yeah. character. They, re- they Literally, everything that we followed in the 10 years of, of Marvel, Loki died. Yeah, let's, like, let's explain that to those who don't understand what's going on. So this Loki that okay. we're talking about in this series is the one from the alternate timeline created when the Avengers used that time heist to steal the Infinity Stones from 2012 so they could reverse the snap. 
uh, that that all took place in Endgame. So this Loki was able to steal the Tesseract after the Avengers failed to secure it. And in doing so, he kind of sort of alerts the Time Variance Authority, who we first meet in this show, uh, who apprehend him and take him back to their headquarters. But like you were saying, the Loki is so the Loki that we have that that we saw die in Infinity War on the same. On the sacred timeline, there is no Loki. Right. Before the events of season one, as it stood on the sacred timeline, there is no Loki. Right. Now there's a Loki who is outside of all time. Yeah. In the time variant authority. Yep. Locked up. But like you were saying, it's important to note that this Loki hasn't experienced Thor the Dark World. So he didn't get locked up. He didn't didn't see his his mother mother die. die. He didn't uh, fake his own death. (laughs) He didn't impersonate his father and take the throne of Asgard. Um, he didn't he have didn't, that conversation with his brother on Ragnarok saying, yep. I am like, because, oh, if he, you were here, I'll give you a hug. I am here. I like, I'm not a, an illusion. I actually yeah. am here, here. Like he it didn't meet Hela. Um, yeah, he, so he doesn't even know he has a sister. Didn't experience the uh, end of Asgard as we know it. Um, and because he didn't uh, experience Infinity War, he didn't get the confrontation with Thanos and his death. He didn't experience those things. I'm not to say he didn't know about those things. We'll get to that in a bit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, Once in the TVA custody, he's processed and brought before the judge to stand trial for his crimes against the timeline. And it turns out his powers don't work while he's there. That's a kind of funny scene where he's like trying to (laughs) get his daggers or get something or do something. He's trying to get his daggers. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And and that's what the like he keeps doing it. And the judge is like, what is he doing? And the the, um, hunter says, she goes, yeah, he's trying to use his magic. (laughs) Like. Like we've seen this happen a million times. He's trying to use his magic. I'm not gonna lie. I don't know who had their own personal experience with a with, with the the criminal justice system and going through those kinds of processing, but that that stuff was a little bit too realistic for me to like <laughs> not get like cold shivers. Like when he was going through each stage of like the psychological evaluation, the X-ray machine and, yeah. and, and having to sign off that this is what he, his statement and stuff like that. I'm like, Oh my God, who went, who actually went to bookings? Cause that yeah. was a bit real. <laughs> That's just good old bureaucracy, I guess, for you, just lines and paperwork and processing. Um, it, it, but all it that was, shit was—it's actually what they really do in real life. They have a a person there that gives you this psychological evaluation and says, "Have you now or ever tried to hurt yourself or harm yourself?" There's right. a per, there's a giant body X-ray that you have to walk through barefoot, no shirt, like to see if you're a, a robot. Is that what that's for? <laughs> that's so crazy. That, if you how have would a you soul? even know that you're not a robot? Like you know, like I don't see myself knowing that I'm a robot. I love how he's like, do many people not know whether they're a robot or not? Which is also more. That that was the first inkling of Rick and Morty writing that I got. Yeah. Because I'm like, oh my God, this is like a clone death type thing. Like, well, what if, what what if this Loki on this timeline is a clone? Like, we don't know. <laughs> Another thing that you were saying about, you know, bookings and the TVA, you would have to assume that just like bookings, this judge has seen and heard everything under the sun. Right. So oh, nothing's gonna impress her. Time judge yeah, right. that is literally seen like an infinite amount of variants have mm-hmm. to explain their story. What? I, I wanted coffee this morning. I really didn't want to drink a cup of water. Well, nope, you were supposed to drink water. So you're now being pruned. <laughs> yep. And and so there's no excuses. She has no um, uh, she has patience no for any of it. Any yeah. of it. So he's eventually well, he keeps calling them Lokis like you like Lokis. It's a Loki. It's a Loki. Like, yeah. like if it's a verb. Yeah. Uh, he's eventually found guilty. And he's sentenced to be reset before a certain TVA employee that we'll get into named Mobius. 
uh, who was sitting at uh, sitting in on the procession, pleads with Judge Renslayer to give him custody of the Loki variant. I'm uh, sorry, that's such a that is such a cliche, but it 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 was one that I didn't even really it didn't cross my mind until I realized, oh my god, how many times have they done that? where somebody who is a menace to society is standing before a judge for like the millionth time. The judge is like, you know what? I can't give you any more chances. It's time to send you away to jail. And someone in the fucking crowd is like, actually, you know, I'll take them under my custody yeah, and watch over them and I'll make sure that they're okay. And then the climax of the film has to happen. So the person has to revert back to the old ways from the beginning of the movie and hurt the person, the only person that was actually there for them. And then they have to do the whole change of heart thing. It's, it's following the it's going into the hero's circle. It's- yeah, 100 percent. And with this, you know, seemingly we can't really understand why somebody like Mobius would um, try to enlist somebody like Loki, because according to Judge Renslayer, he he's dead to rights. Like he just did wrong. Like there's he messed up the timeline. So we see that Mobius like brings him to the side, probes him with questions to determine whether or not he's useful and stuff. Um, and he can and he shows him. Go ahead. Can we say that now that I'm thinking about it, can we say Loki did wrong? Because let's replay the events of what happened. Well, I don't know about wrong, but he he made a diverging timeline. But can I but but let I'm I want to argue that he didn't know that he was going to do that. And here's why. But I want to argue that it doesn't matter whether or not, you know, because if you watch the if you watch the um, uh, orientation video from Miss Minutes, which we'll get into, it doesn't matter if you know you could you could have. You could have clocked in late for work and they show you in the video. You could have clocked in late for work. You could have eaten an apple instead of a banana. It's not malicious whether or not you did it yeah, but to Loki the timeline. Picked up the Tesseract. Did he know that the Tesseract would have transported him if he held it in his own two hands? No, but that's what I'm trying to tell you. that It doesn't matter whether or not you know. It doesn't matter whether or not you did it intentionally to the timeline, which makes the TVA kind of evil. Not evil, mm-hmm. but kind of uh black and white in that sense which is the same thing with sylvie sylvie's existence seemingly which we'll get into was the problem like there was no talking about it there was no figuring it out she didn't choose to exist that's what the variant was is loki was well loki laufenson was happened to be born loki laufen daughter i literally have for for a month now for a month for a month and a half i've been thinking what was sylvie's variant timeline the fact that she was that she wasn't born a boy. Yeah. The fact that she is the only Loki that was in, in, the, in existence that was born a girl. Part of me theorizes, and again, I've put on a lot of tinfoil hats when watching this show, but part of me theorizes that maybe it is the fact that she would eventually go on to do what she did with He Who Remains. That that may be that like she was always slated to do that. And thus, mm-hmm. Kang always wanted her out of the picture. The reason why I can't agree with you on that is... Because he who remains didn't know what was going to happen. Once the branch hit the nexus point, then he's like, okay, whatever happens, happens. So he didn't know Sylvie was going to kill him. See, so my tinfoil hat thing is that he always knew. He always gives this. So then there was no nexus point. And it always always happens. No. So this is my, again, this is me. And I'm complete. I could be completely That's that's the whole point of this show. That's why this show is amazing. I want to blame it on somebody else. If I had a choice, I'd blame it on Wanda. But I, <laughs> I think that something else that we have, we either have seen or haven't seen, happened at that time where the rumbling takes place with he who remains, and thus uh, 
he realizes that it doesn't really matter what's going to happen next. So then you're saying that is, the though. nexus point wasn't those two being at the nope. Citadel for so long. No, nope, nope. You're saying something yeah. else happened, and he's like, wait a minute, something, something just bur- crossed the yeah. nexus. Like he noticed something outside of those three crossed the nexus. Point. One door in his house wasn't wasn't unlocked, and he thought he was safe, and he heard the door open. He was like, son of a, you know what? It is what it is. <laughs> so if I, if I, I'm gonna pig, I, I'm gonna piggyback on that. Then it would, it could be a Wanda thing because there's no, I, I, I don't. She think had the Nexus Loki, commercial. You remember that? She had a commercial for Nexus in her, in her. Uh, in her she show. did have a, but that's also freaking Kevin Feige in the MCU being able to literally do maybe, Easter eggs from ye, from before to, to like maybe, the way they do breadcrumbs. Yeah, maybe it was her looking through the dark hold. You know, it could be any of those things. I may, oh, maybe she maybe she wasn't supposed to steal the dark hold. She brought her kids back. She wasn't supposed to. Bring, so Something, there's be something's one, up. Something that that is a catalyst for the multiverse of madness falls simultaneously as those two are at the citadel of, of at the end of time. Because since they're at the end of time and time doesn't exist, time's still going to happen where they're from. Yeah. Yeah, so I it is very that. MCU yeah. to do that. It is very, very MCU to do something that happens while something else is happening, and you'll see it. You'll go back and see it later. Yeah, and again, I could be completely wrong, but that's my head cannon moving forward. Is that he was having this conversation that he seemingly planned out in his mind a million times, and then a unicorn showed up, and he was like, "What? Well, you know what? I mean, it could it, it could be that. I mean, because if he knew that." He would actually know that him and those two talking where they were talking long enough would cause a nexus event. So he wasn't surprised that they caused the nexus event. Mm-hmm. He was just surprised that a nexus event was caused. He welcomed them in and Miss Minnis says that he was impressed. So seemingly he didn't mean to kill them or do any of those things. And but he's, they were still a threat to him somehow, as one shows a, a serious threat a fatal threat to him yeah but uh, so. he was he was being so he was being so nonchalant about them being there for so long that that the snap of oh snap a nexus event surprised him in a way that i don't think it would have if they were there for too long and that, yeah and in the same sense no like you said in the same sense it, it was like he got distracted like he was playing a game over here and he was the master of that game with the Loki sitting at the desk. And then something happened over here. He was like, oh, oh. And like he says, like, all of a sudden, I don't and know what, what's going and on. What really drives it home is the fact that because everything is predetermined for him and he knows how everything is going to go, his words are rehearsed like a script. Yeah. Like, as you see with the TVA, when, they, when the TVA prints out every word you've ever said. Yep. So his thing is rehearsed like a script. But so for him to be like, well, uh, this happened like um five, six, seven, no, uh, 10 seconds ago. Like, yeah. you can tell that he didn't know what he had to say. Like, yeah, and, it was but, all but, just- but he knows that his efforts, which we'll get into, of stopping multiversal war are gone. And it doesn't even matter what happens next because something has already started. Some some rumblings have already started. Uh, I want to ask you go real ahead. quick. When he said, I'll see you soon and all the resurrection talk. Yeah. Do you think consciously that brain is going to be in another he who remains or is it going to be? Oh, just- no, I don't think there will be a version of he who remains that remembers the events of 
what just no, that's happened. dead. That's what I'm asking. Yeah. Like once I don't think, him I don't dying, think so. that's it. He dies, yeah. but they will be another version of him that does the same exact thing with his own new memories, his own new conscience. Yeah, just being. like these two Lokis. Just like these two Lokis, basically. The Loki from our original sacred timeline and the Loki from the show. Because he doesn't because he doesn't know about the future events. It's it's his own conscious being in the shell. Yes. Yeah, and one that's- one fandom also theorizes that there will be a third or even fourth variant of this that will see all of it and choose to be a baby face and choose to be a hero um and join the young avengers because well, that's I, one of his arcs in the comics as well I, but this is a baby face kang oh yeah we're in i guess talk. i we're, guess baby, no they, we've been sorry, we've been in spoiler we've been in spoiler talk ever since we started talking about the tk and stuff like that i forgot we were in spoiler talk but no you're already in spoiler talk yeah no this is a baby face kang it's because it's, it's going to be a babyface Kang that becomes more babyface once we. The reason why I say that, that this is a babyface Kang is because only someone that is actually truly good can look within themselves and call out their flaws. He didn't say you two are villains, you two are evil. He said no, we're all bad guys here. Like, but it's one of those things that's like once you remove free will from a population as a terms to control them because you don't think that they're they're in a position to control themselves that seems villainy that seems villainous yeah, but end, sorry but, but do the but do the ends justify the means if if, if i don't if, know that's a scary that's a scary the, question the, to ask you know because if i say if i say everyone in new york needs to stay in their houses after 8 p.m because no one knows how to act and everyone is forced to by gunpoint by the police and crime rates go down do the ends justify the means yes yes w- would you enjoy those those means to get to that end wouldn't you wouldn't enjoy it but if if it meant that five less women were raped if three less children were killed if two less people were robbed because cops were literally patrolling your house at gunpoint to make sure you stay inside you know maybe we do need less crime like until people start learning better that's that's those are dangerous those are dangerous ideas and what's funny is you know to get back to the mobius uh questioning him thing this actually fits exactly there because he axes uh loki about ruling midgard and ruling space and why he should and he says basically that people don't need choice when given no, he the said, choice he said freedom is, <laughs> they what is mess it? It freedom up. is a curse or freedom is dangerous or something yeah. like that yeah, because up to him, he will subjugate everyone uh, so long and, and then say that, you know, because I took over and because I removed free will from you guys, I've made sure that you couldn't destroy each other. So, it, I mean, it's, it is a dangerous conversation. I believe in free will, but I get I get it. I understand it. When they spoke about this, right, they spoke about the chaos, like the Lokis represent that chaos, that dangerousness. Um, and at various points, it, it gets they trying to snuff it out. Uh, Loki himself tries to escape from the TVA and kind of realizes that they're in a league above their own in power and decides he's just going to end up working with Mobius to figure out what the hell is going on with this whole thing. Him opening the drawer and seeing Infinity Stones being used as paperweights. Yeah, that was big. Was beautiful. That was big. He literally looks at it and is like, is this actually the greatest power in the universe? It's like... Oh my god! At that point, that's when you're like, "Yo, is he about to become like a time cop? Are yeah. you gonna see Loki?" Time and like, cop. bro, I thought Loki was gonna become a time cop in that moment. I'm like, "Yo, are you gonna put him in an actual like SWAT team uniform and make sure that like Hitler actually stays Hitler, so there's no variant 
branch it, which damn, that's actually much, no. Like I actually damn, thought that there was going to go down that, that route of like uh, historical. You know, um, he was going to do. But it's do, still like, kind of villainous stuff. if you think of it. Like all the all the atrocities of humanity had to happen on the sacred timeline, yeah, to prevent the worst atrocity of reality, and it's like. Even We're something like the Avengers doing what they did, which would seemingly on paper break all of it, was meant to happen. But remember, a lot of us, well, not a lot of us, us in the um, group chat, we were all saying, I was like, wait a minute. If Loki did what he did, the Avengers had to do what they did for Loki to do him. And then it's explained, oh, no, what the Avengers were supposed to do actually is yeah, predetermined. The, the Avengers were supposed to branch a timeline so that you could... You weren't supposed to grab the Tesseract, but then it gets into the conversation of, wait a minute, if you knew the Avengers was supposed to go to another time and steal the Time Stones, you can't tell me that they didn't know that Loki would have grabbed the Tesseract. Again, it doesn't really matter whether they know, they'll just get rid of him. Like, even but, if they knew it was predetermined and he was predetermined to start the next event, they allow that to happen and just cut off. They prune it, right? So you don't cut the tree. They don't cut the tree that the Avengers planted. They just cut the the, the branch of Loki. But, it's, the but it's weird that if, if you knew that, that the Avengers was supposed to go back to 2012, mm-hmm. then that means you knew that Tony Stark was supposed to tell Hulk, you got to take the stairs because that happened already mm-hmm. in the sacred timeline. Now, so I don't know if it happened in the sacred timeline. How did not How would it have happened in the sacred timeline for that? For for that because then they go to us then they go to an alternate timeline, take no, it because you can't go no, backwards and go forward. Wasn't that the whole issue? You can't go backwards and then go forward because you're you're going backwards to another point. Oh no, thus that's creating that's, that's a new right. branch. No, that's right. That's right. So what happened? Now I remember because it was explained because I actually it's not Back to the Future is what they said. <laughs> well, I I rewatched Endgame a couple of months ago, about like three months ago, and for some reason it hit me that I actually understood what Bruce Banner was saying. Going back in time automatically makes a new branch because you weren't supposed to exist a second time in the past. You're not changing the past and altering the future. You're changing the past to make a new future. Yes. So the fact that the Avengers went back in time creates a branch. But if that's the case, what do you mean? Here, the Avengers went. This is the sacred timeline. The Avengers went back in time and to make a new branch. Mm-hmm. Once they made that new branch, that new branch would have ceased to exist once they took all the Infinity Stones. But they would have went back and it would have just and replaced the Infinity Stones. The fact that Loki made a new own little branch within the branch means they had to prune both loki's story and the avengers story goes like this so you can get rid of this part the avengers will still do what they do see that's the problem so then that branch that the avengers made by going back in time and stealing the affinity stones if the the, the third branch was pruned then on that second branch it was a reset loki never grabs the tesseract seemingly and the thing is they had to go back again to go get the tesseract from 1940 whatever so again i'm not i'm not the uh authority of time but we do have a time variance authority that we should talk about uh it's a it's first time us 
meeting these people, a bureau, sorry, a bureaucratic organization that is tasked with preserving the sacred timeline and preventing the creation of branching timelines. We learn, or I should say, we are told from an orientation video that Loki has shown that long ago, a vast multiversal war threatened all of existence. The timekeepers to stop the different universes from fighting for supremacy reorganized the multiverse into a single manageable timeline called the sacred timeline that the TVA polices. All persons who step off the path that the timeline, the timekeepers created, whether on purpose or by accident, threaten to create another multiverse and with it a multiversal war. So these variants to the timeline are erased by the TVA while the timeline is reset. That's also kind of funny, though, because... The way Miss Minutes explains it to Loki in the first episode is a long, long time ago. Mm-hmm. But then when Kang explains it at the Citadel, he's like a Kang from the 31st century. That's yeah. the future. Right. But they that's the they had to give the TVA a story, right? Their stories, that story is better than the other story. <laughs> that the three got space gods they actually but say in the so orientation that, video yeah, that means the multiversal war happens in the future from us right now in the sacred timeline we're not we technically are, okay. he was a scientist from a 31st century but he could have found variants in different from different timelines but the fact that he but the, the fact that a scientist from like the year 3000 mm-hmm. figured out a multiversal war figured out the multiverse means- Sorry, the multi. Yeah, he figures out yeah. the multiverse in the future from us. We are Tony and Cap. Mm-hmm. A thousand years in the future, a Kang figures out that we're all that Saturn is, or like our galaxy is sitting on top three different galaxies. Mm-hmm. So then, to stop a multiversal war, would he have to have reset all of time to make one timeline? So, somehow, some way, they show so that everything would have that to those guys had those start. sticks. They had the TBA batons. His, him and his variants. I don't understand why. I don't understand how. But they were equipped with that time technology. I'm assuming the 31st century scientists created some time but weapons. We all and know the prune to goes to one specific un- uh, reality outside of time that an al- that Elias eats. The void. Yeah, because yeah, you can't destroy matter. Because you can't destroy matter. Um, but yeah, seemingly, uh, when when uh, he who remains was born, there was a multiverse. We've not experienced any of that right now. There was a multiverse yeah. when he was born. Everything on the sacred timeline that has happened so far happens after the creation of the TVA. So he That's starts craziness. the timeline, if that makes any sense. He starts the MCU. No, yeah, he restarts it. everything. He's like, you know, I'm just going to start this over from the beginning. The dinosaurs are meant to be. The dinosaurs are meant to die. Cavemen are meant to do this. Which you could argue is a commentary on the Marvel Cinematic Universe as as you know it. We knew Spider-Man. We knew Captain America's. We knew Punisher's. But we started brand new with the MCU as if none of them ever existed. And that became only one our version. sacred timeline for Marvel Comics. Like Marvel Ooh. comic book adaptations, the sacred timeline is the MCU. The MCU. That's, right. very, that's very egotistical, Kang. Well, it's, mean, on pr- it's on purpose because now that it's broken... We can now allow all the other Marvel variants that we saw, uh, you know, Ben Affleck's Daredevil or, you know, uh, I guess there's more out there. But that's Listen, what if, they, to mind. If, they, if they put Ben Affleck back in that <laughs> costume, I swear to God, if, they, if Ben Affleck gets casted as Daredevil again. What I'm did you think old. about the uh, TVA aesthetics? It was very Stanley Kubrick. Yeah, it was very 2001 Space Odyssey. It was very, it was very much 1970s 
sci-fi. Yeah. It was like that monochromatic washed out color. The, there was a lot of like knobs and dials and buttons going. A lot like, of analog, uh, analog equipment. That's it. Yeah. It was very analog. It was very like you look at these. And what's crazy is like you look at like the, the time pads that they have on them and you're like, this is something you would see in Star Trek with uh, freaking William Shatner. Kind of looks like a DS. <laughs> a little bit. It's like an Nintendo it, it DS. Looked like, it looked like a holographic sidekick to me. Yeah. It looked like a, like a holographic sidekick. Like you, you slide up and it's like, what? Turns out the director based the TVA on her own experience serving as a temp worker, while Michael Waldron felt there was a touch of irony and, and humor in making the TVA a soulless but bureaucratic kind of office and the sets were purposely designed to look like a stereotypical government office from the 1970s and 1960s like you were saying uh am down I, to am, the, I not the, am i not the man or am i not the man down to the typewriters rotary phones etc let's get into some of these tva employees the first one we got to talk about is miss minutes uh the animated anthropomorphic clock mascot for the tva voiced by tara strong uh, you gotta give her her credit. She had a like, had a voice act. I had a voice acting for the comic book community. Um, she's yeah. done it, and not just even comic. She's Bubbles. You know yeah. that, right? Yeah, she's yeah. the original Bubbles. Bubbles she's Raven. She's girl. Starfire. She's uh, Harley Quinn. She does a, a lot, and Miss um, Minutes in here also does a lot. It turns out that the writers uh, really just wanted her to introduce the TVA, but they found more ways to include her in the series. Because uh, they found her to be a fun character, and her design was inspired by Felix the Cats and other cartoons from that kind of information. Well, I'll give, uh, that I'll kind of, give uh, it, era. Sorry, I'll definitely give it that credit because uh, someone that watches reaction videos, there is it th- that first episode. There was so many people that was loving the Miss Minutes bit. Yeah, so many people were loving that little Miss Minutes exposition in the first episode. Yeah, it reminded me of those weird um, kind of like cartoons that I used to watch back in the day when Cartoon Network and was really late at night. And she had this cute southern accent for no reason. Like, that's, Hi, that's said to be because uh, Waldron has a southern accent. They think that that's why they really? gave it to hit her. Um, but yeah, like I'm wondering. Sarah Strong did it perfectly. I'm wondering Very if we get more talent. about her in season two. Like, what is she? Is she literally like just a like Alexa for... Um, he who remains that's my, or my, my, what? what she be she might just be in a, a like a like a semi-conscious electra uh, alexa but then like now that homie's homie's gone where does she go is she does she go for revenge like what what is she what's her stake in this now that things are the I, way that they are yeah actually because there was only one timeline came apparent like you know supposedly yeah. mm-hmm. because he was stopping the multiverse from happening that means the MCU, as we knew it, had had a Kang chilling at the end of time, mm-hmm. just conquering everything. Yeah. So maybe she just goes to a, maybe she floats around and finds a Kang she likes. <laughs> That'd be funny. Uh, we got to talk about just go full Vicky from iRobot and just try and kill everybody. That could be it. Yeah. You kill her hubby. She's she's done with it. Um, Gugu Mbatha-Ra plays Judge Ravona Renslayer, a former TVA hunter who rose from the ranks to become a respected judge. She oversees the Loki variant investigation and the director, Kate Heron, compared both her and Renslayer, both the actress and Renslayer, to chameleons, saying that Renslayer was always trying to dance the line with Mobius of being both his superior and his friend. Um, Loki 
I mean, sorry, this character had made a lot of people raise their eyebrows because Renslayer is very much tied to Kang in the comics. There was a lot of allusions that Kang might be in this series, but they try to keep things close to the chest. So people were always kind of well, looking you, at once Renslayer. Once you look it up and you find out that that's Kang's comic book girlfriend. Yeah. What You're like, think- oh, shit, where are we going with this now? And uh, Jonathan Majors was already casted for Ant-Man Quantumania, so. What did you think of Renslayer? I thought she wasn't going to get that much of a role. Yeah. Not going to lie. Like, like the first, like, two episodes, I'm like, yeah, she's probably not going to get that big of a thing. Then, then, then she goes and prunes Loki. She has a pretty good. Um, she, has a, she has a pretty good. I'm keeping it all together face. But she also has, I see, I look at it different. I look at every single facial expression is like conflictedness. Like before she prunes Loki, not Loki, before she prunes Mobius, you see like she has the sourpuss mad face, but her eyes is like, oh my God, am I really going to do this face? Because she is under the uh, assumption, just like the TVA, that it's all for the ends justify the means, even though these are terrible means, you know, these are terrible means. She's, she's seemingly killing, uh, you know. A friend of hers and then um and in various cases pruning people pruning timelines at one point being tasked to take care of a child and prune her i i think that um given her the red on her ledger to steal something from another film i think that she understands that she's done a lot for the idea that the tva is real and once the once people start poking holes in that she has to maintain that truth she has to or else everything that she's done up until that point was for nothing and if that's the case then she becomes a villain she said everything is going to be for i can't make everything be for nothing i can't this can't be all for nothing so yeah she's great i think she's great we have uh me Masaku, who plays Hunter B-15, a high-ranking hunter of the TVA, determined to stop the variant that has been killing Minimet troops. Uh, what's interesting is that B-15, Hunter B-15, was originally written to be a male character, but uh, it changed after Musaku's audition. And she pointed out that the character's gender didn't really alter any of the essence of the character, and it's kind of true. So, yeah, that big um, defection. Oh, that's that 100% true, because it, it, it could have been, been any kind of human being doing that role as long as you could cry in that moment where you got brought back to alabama with um sylvie that moment where she's like i looked happy what do i do now it it didn't matter what your gender was what your race was what your color was you could be green blue purple man wife woman but i don't give a shit as long as you could literally make that moment heartfelt yeah and and she made she made that moment feel like damn everything i'm doing is for nothing so it's like yeah it doesn't matter who you are as long as you can translate that moment we also have uh hunter t20 uh played by sasha lane a, a tva hunter who's kidnapped and enchanted to reveal the location of the timekeepers she's eventually terminated and we'll get into that but i think the star of the tva has to be mobius and mobius played by owen wilson an agent of the TVA who specializes in the investigations of particularly dangerous time criminals. Uh, Heron likened Mobius to a hard-boiled detective, with Wilson comparing him to the character Jack Cates in 48 Hours. Uh, uh, Marvel Studios pres- president Kevin Feige noted that the character is similar to Wilson in the fact that he's unfazed by the MCU. Hiddleston helped Wilson prepare for the role by explaining and showing him moments from the MCU films, which Wilson felt was useful for when Mobius interviews Loki in the series. 
Wilson and Heron examined Goodwill Hunting 1997 as inspirations for Mobius being a mentor and therapist for Loki, who still pushes him. Do you think like Goodwill Hunting and all that kind of stuff is, did it feel like the inspiration for this stuff? Oh, very, very much so, because a a lot of Goodwill Hunting after Robin Williams was introduced was calling Will out on all of his bullcrap. Just saying, you know, like I had a realization last night. You're just a scared little kid. You don't know about the world. Like, and that's that's very much so Mobius in his position of the first episode. Like, if you look at Mobius in the first episode, he is a man that's seen everything. Yeah. He's a man that has seen it all. He's he, he's pruned his fair share of Loki's. He's dealing with this one Loki that just won't go. So he's very much seeing this Loki as I know you. You're just a scared little kid. You're just the you're just a this, you're this, that, and very much calling him out on his own flaws. I think it's funny that one of the things that made him good for this role is apparently uh, Mobius or Owen Wilson, the actor, isn't really big on the MCU in general. So he actually didn't know about the events of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like I said earlier, he had Tom Hiddleston tell him what happened, which is very reminiscent of what happens in the first episode where they both watch the series of events uh, in Loki's life, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, The last person I have for TVA employee is Casey. Played by Eugene Codero of the Good Place fame, my boy Pillboy. Yeah, Pillboy. I just want to bring Pillboy up. Uh, he works for the that he works for TVA collecting and filing evidence. Um, one of the cool parts about the TVA is that it introduces a whole bunch of tech. So we see the TVA batons that are capable of altering a target's flow of time, like when Loki got hit with it, and uh, they changed it to one sixteenth speed so he can feel it <laughs> longer. But um, you can actually uh, disintegrate a target, whether organic or inorganic, in order to quote unquote prune it. Um, but we end up finding out that these things aren't erased. It sends it to this, like um, this place called the void, basically, where everything that the TVA prunes goes because you can't out and out destroy matter. Um, we find out about the tempad, a device used by the TVA to control the time doors and time cells. Uh, it also can identify variants. Um, see and project files and monitor the timeline. Uh, the TVA uses. We also have reset charges. Uh, the TVA uses those reset charges to prune. Now, I don't understand the difference lines. between the resetting and the pruning, honestly. So I think reset charges are for the entirety of where you're at, and the pruning is where you aim the stick. So it's like almost like a um, the difference between a bullet and a bazooka. Or a, a handgun in a bazooka. Yeah, but the, the what I'm saying is the reset resets the timeline. Yeah. But the pruning is what sends the variant to the void. Yes. Because there's a difference between the, the, like the reset is the grenade charge. Yes. That little grenade that they put on the ground, that's the reset. Right. The prune is the stick that they hit you with. So they prune you first or yep. bring you to... Well, what it's seemingly before pruning was ever introduced it looks like they bring variants to the tva erase their mind and make them become workers yes so you get put into time slavery for all of eternity right yep yeah <laughs> that's this is, this is crazy but yeah crazy i think that stuff. i think that the stick is more for individuals and then the uh charge is for bigger bigger things we also have um a, a device called the time twisters 
which uh, work in close connection with the necklace that we saw that, uh, uh, what did they call it? I had it here, chronokinetic collar. <laughs> um, and so with the time twisters, we see that so long as somebody has one of those necklaces on, you're able to return them to their original position by a few seconds. We saw uh, Loki do this to Hunter B-15 when he was trying to escape. And um, seemingly Kang has one of those, or uh, sorry, he who remains has one of those. Um, but yeah, that's basically the TVA and Loki themselves in a nutshell, uh, which branches us into our first, I guess, plot point, which is this idea of finding a variant. So Loki is enlisted by Mobius to help find a variant version of himself that's been going around killing TVA hunters and threatening the sacred timeline. Um and we see this variant, even though they're cl- clouded in mystery, at a Renaissance fair where they're able to set up a trap at, to kill a bunch of uh, these uh, TVA Minutemen and actually take one hostage. Uh, see Hunter C-20 and her disappearance causes the TVA to try to look into where this variant is. And Loki, of all people, is able to find out that she or they must be hiding in apocalypse events because you even if a next event occurs in an apocalyptic event the tva can't mm-hmm. find it uh, what do you think about loki finding this out what do you think about him like figuring all this out well i mean he is a very loki was never stupid if, if, if that's one thing before the mcu ever showed me it's the one thing i knew was loki conniving and cunning that comes with you know geniusness you can't be clueless and stupid and not think 10 steps ahead and be conniving and cunning. Yeah. The God I, of mischief has to literally be 20 steps ahead of everybody. I also think it speaks to the, um, the thing that we hear later on, which is that Loki's survive. Like he understands as a Loki, how a Loki could survive in a situation like this, not to be crass, but it's almost like Loki's are kind of cockroaches. You know, they find a way even in dire circumstances to survive. So he's looking at this as how could a version well, of me I mean, survive I on the timeline? That's a bad thing. Well, you know, you kill cockroaches. You, you obviously no, feel yeah, look, if you, a superiority if you over them. Stomp on it. Like, that's what, that's what Thanos did. Thanos literally put his big boot down and stomped on a cockroach walking across the floor. But if you see a, a room full of cockroaches and throw a grenade in that room, chances are you only got about like five of them. Could you fight a cockroach that was your size? No, I couldn't. They have, they have four arms. That's like fighting Goro. They also have an exoskeleton. That's that's one thing a lot of people don't seem to understand about cockroaches. They have exoskeletons. I never would have thought you would have to- spoke on this podcast about what the one thing is that people don't understand about cockroaches. And it's that that they literally have two skeletons. Uh, speaking of two, we find out that this other variant is uh, this Loki variant is actually a woman. And her name is Sylvie. Um, and she's been, like Loki said, hiding out in various apocalypses. That brings them to a rocks, rocks on cart <laughs> uh, apocalypse. Um, Sylvie's played by Sofia Di Martino. She's a variant of Loki um, <laughs> who's attacking the sacred timeline and has enchantment powers. She doesn't consider herself to be a Loki. And she uses the name Sylvie as an alias. Um, while Sylvie was inspired by Sylvie Lushton, a.k.a. the Enchantress and Lady Loki from comics, as we all kind of figured out when we first saw her um she's a different person with an entirely different backstory from those characters um and the actress herself said Hiddleston kind of looked after her and made sure she got advice on how to play the character because she has to do her own version of Loki 
in a way there has to be things that mirror she can't be a completely different variant um so they played a lot around with the things that they think kind of make up loki which is like his charm which she i think she's charming <laughs> you know 100%. Uh, her ability to turn on a dime and um you know the idea that she can reel people in with these stories seemingly you know, to then What's brilliant about it is that they managed to capture a, a Loki yeah. by way of being its own Loki. This isn't a Loki that's mistrusting because, oh, my God, my entire 150 years of living, I didn't know I was a frost giant. This yeah. is a Loki that just can't trust because it didn't get the chance to trust. Yeah, The Loki we saw in the sacred timeline trusted until his trust was broken and he never trusted again and said, you know what, if I'm going to be this way, I'm just going to be this way. This is a Loki that said, oh, I, no one's just going to trust me off the rip. Well, I'm just going to be what you what you think I am like this. Yeah, it was kind of it was kind of tragic watching this Loki kind of constantly be uh, compared to the worst versions of himself, uh, even though he was trying to break out of that pattern. No, but when he, when, that's very that human. My heart. That's very human. How often have people struggled with addic- uh, addiction or, you know, um, uh, alcohol abuse, things like that. And it's the you boy know, who cried wolf, essentially, really. Yeah. People start keep looking at you as the worst, worst version of yourself, even when you're trying to. But here's what's so improve. sad about it is we have to look at this Loki as 2012 Loki. We can't look at this Loki as 2018 right. Loki. You, you, li- you logically have to see this Loki as. He's only suffered two major events in his life, mm-hmm. Thor and the Battle of New York. That's that's it. Right. So so for you to compare a Loki that didn't get a chance to go through Dark Worlds or Ragnarok or Infinity War to compare him to other versions that happened that he doesn't even know that happened is really messed up. But the Imagine other side of that, though, saying, oh, there's a George in reality three that literally destroyed the world you're bad because that george from that reality destroyed the world but i guess the other side of that coin is that you would you could argue that without those you know life altering events that take place in the sacred timeline to loki post avengers 1 that he would then just revert to regular i'm going to kill everyone and take over all the planets but it all happened only because of the first thor yeah you want to stop loki in its tracks stop the first thor events from happening of of Loki convincing Thor to go fight. No, the but I guess assuming then, I, I'm going to assume then that it was always meant for Loki to make the Avengers become a team. Yes, so we do need that. We need those events to happen after that. It was so then it was always meant for Loki to find out that he was adopted because it was Loki that convinced Thor to go fight Jotunheim. Yeah, they told they straight up told her she was adopted. He yeah. had to find out when he convinced Thor to go fight the Frost Giants and one of the Frost Giants grabbed him by the wrist and he didn't turn into ice yeah well that's the thing i'm as you know reading interviews and stuff it turns out that one of the big like headspaces they wanted sophia to get into for sylvie is that they wanted her to be in the same place mentally that loki was after thor one which is like blind rage like everyone's counting me out i'm just gonna burn this whole thing to the ground you know um and Considering that she has been hunted by the TVA since birth, almost, or at least since young childhood, she is, it, it's that proverb, you know, the child that's not embraced by the village will burn it down to fill its warmth. And so she's not allowed to live on the timeline. So screw the timeline. <laughs> like you said, wow, that, really, that, that really is a lot. They, they really, really have a, a theme for a lot of these villains. Like 
you can you can argue that Loki, Killmonger, and Sylvie all have had the same feeling of I'll burn the village down to feel its warmth. Yeah. And it goes to like at, at least with the Lokis, the show goes to great lengths to talk about labeling and how people write each other off. You know, uh, like, oh, you know, he's just he's just an addict. Right. Or he's just a bum or he's just this or she's just. Well, they go out of their way to call him a Loki or a variant. They don't say he's Loki. He's he's a Loki. They they, they throw the they don't go out of their way to make it possessive. Yeah. And all Lokis are, are you seemingly alike and you can lump them all in together. I mean, for for a whole episode, he had to wear a jacket that said "variant," and they that's essentially <laughs> the Jews having to like brand themselves with the little the Star of David during the 1940s, like right. And that's how the TVA saw it. They see they went to a great length to explain that they are, are constantly pruning Loki's. I think they said they prune more Loki's than any other variant uh, that exists. <laughs> so I wonder if it's always in the Loki. I wonder if that's a testament to the, what they're talking about with him surviving all the time, or if that's because Loki's will always eventually try to figure this out and try to stop it, you know, either way. Um, but that, because of that, like once we meet Sylvie, it transforms from the TVA versus the variant to the Loki's versus the TVA, because after a brief fight, Loki knocks, I'm uh, sorry, Sylvie lock knocks Loki unconscious. And she sets up some like uh, reset charges as a distraction for the TVA. Um, when the timer on the charges runs out, they all those little charges get teleported to different parts of the timeline. And she basically bombed the timeline. And I was thinking that we were going to see. Though. Huh? It kind of never went anywhere, though. Right. I'm assuming now in retrospect that it was a distraction for the TVA. Because what and like if you look at the events linearly, what she's trying to do is she just figured out from Hunter C-15, I think, or C-20, that uh, all the TVA members are variants. Yeah. Once she gets that information, she then tricks the TVA to meet her somewhere i guess this apocalypse she knew that they were coming how would he know of all play of all apocalypses oh the gum it was the gum oh yeah the gum came from that exact that supermarket year, <laughs> that, that like that year yeah, yes that exact supermarket that year um and so yeah using the gum in episode one that they find the anachronistic gum they're able to go go to that apocalyptic event but her whole goal was to trick the tva uh with distract them with the bombs so that she can go to the tva because that's what she does next she opens that door the episode ends with her opening that door her going through and then loki what we don't realize because you don't connect those dots right away is that she went to the tva (laughs) uh so she gets there she's followed by loki who tries to stop her and eventually they're both stopped by renslayer uh renslayer um is going to stop them. And then Loki steals Sylvie's temp pad and transports them to that planet in the year 2077, where the apocalypse is going to take place. You know, when the moon crashes, good old lamentous where they can lament their feelings. Yeah. 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 I'm not a fan of that episode. I'm not, I'm I'm, I'm not, honestly, I'm not a fan of the purpose of that episode. Like I, I don't find the episode to be bad in its writing or its entertainment. Every episode of Loki was entertaining. But when I look back on the episode that I could probably do without, I could probably do without Lamentis only because of what they were they were trying to say with the theme of that episode. But Loki singing in Asgardian. That's beautiful. Some of the sets are beautiful. Some of the talks are beautiful. I just feel like you could have chopped that up and sprinkled it's it. It's also the episode Loki stuff. confirms he's bisexual. So It's also the episode that has no Mobius. 
you know, a bad president the across, the, across the board. <laughs> There's you no know? Mobius in that. It's a, it's a very much of a bottle episode. Yeah. And so, like, I get it. I've, I've heard from people who dig the show more than me that there was a lot there there. To me, though, um, and this is a, a uh, um, analogy I used in the group chat. I feel like there's a beautiful fireworks display going on. And then I'm told to look at an ant and the ant is having an incredible adventure, but behind him, there are literal balls of fire exploding. So there's yes, this quiet here, moment. What's going on with the TVA bombing? What's going on with the literal timeline being bombed at several locations that seemingly kind of all get wiped away when all the this only thing I can tell you is how many times have you seen a beautiful fireworks display? Now, does a fireworks display ever change? You know that there's different fireworks, but does the display of fireworks ever change? No, it's it's the same fireworks display. Have you ever followed an ant on their adventure? But there's a reason why we don't follow ants on their adventure. And there's a reason why. Is it because they're even so, though we so much know, smaller than us? Is it, it because it, it's so minuscule in our our day-to-day life that we can't see an ant carry a, a cherry that's two times its size back to an anthill? I think it's important. Like I said, I do think that it's like a very determined ant. You know, like I, I do love that story. I just don't know why they felt they had to tell both stories at the same time. Coming from the ending of, of episode two, with the bombing of the timeline and then Loki following Sylvie going straight into this self-contained, more calm, lamentous episode. No, you two different tones. The inconsistency is all off. If you would have made lamentous, like an episode four ish type thing, like somewhere halfway through the series, but by episode three, you're literally halfway through the series. So at this point we're halfway through the series and, and we get this very, self-contained character dive and i feel like it should be later you should do the character dive with sylvie and loki on your way to meet kang like i said i also think it could be sprinkled like keep episode three as it is but instead of a lot of the quiet moments put mobius back in there him sniffing around him trying to figure out what's going on with hunter oh, I see, c20 I see yeah you know if they would have if they would have went back and forth between now we have sylvie and loki for two minutes and then let's go to Mobius and, Rav- and Ravona dealing with but they put the whole TVA on hold I'm all for quiet moments with Tom Hiddleston um, in my Loki Loki recap I gushed about him singing in as Guardian showing that that's how he really feels even when he's the angriest this did a lot of great things to pull apart layers of Loki and realize what he really means and what he really feels versus what he says because he's and that's what I found beautiful about like it it always it was always like a little thought that was in the back of my mind but this show like fully confirmed, no matter what Loki timeline we're getting, he sees as guardians as his people. Yeah. And it makes me, it, I'm getting emotionally chalked up right now because it's like the man, know, as, as far as 2012, as far as this Loki we know right now, he's mm-hmm. adopted. Right. He knows he's adopted. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He's adopted. And he still says the as guardians are his people. Even when he's insulting them, even when he's literally insulting them, he's like, my people are stupid. He doesn't say the Asgardians are stupid people. Oh, they're a dumb race. No, he says, my people are not really bright. I'm a lot smarter than my people. The fact that he literally calls Asgardians his people is probably one of the biggest inklings of Loki has redeeming character qualities. Yeah, and the guy doesn't really belong anywhere, right? He doesn't really belong anywhere. So then he creates this thing where he's like, I'm going to take over because no one's going to let me in, you know? So like, I, I, I kind of get that aspect of it as well. Um, and 
we find out through conversation and well, first after various mishaps, we find out that they're stuck there. Uh, so Sylvie and Loki have several deep conversations about their upbringing um, and how the TVA has been hunting Sylvie for years. And we find out that the TVA is using variants as employees after snatching them from their timeline and wiping their memory. We were originally told by the time variants authority that everyone who works for the TVA was created for to work in the TVA, they lived no past lives. They were created for the sole purpose of policing Which the timeline. Which is kind of also kind of weird because why would the TVA legit create solely humanoids? You're telling me there's not one alien, oh, yeah. not one Kree, <laughs> not one scroll. Not it's al- one. it's almost as if the person who created the TVA is a human. Who <laughs> you know, like very very Earth centric, very. Human yeah, because that was the one thing that was bugging me out. It's like if you're the TVA and you exist out the timeline, you're trying to tell me that there isn't even a, a pink skinned woman whose eyes are a little bit too far apart. Like you we know, saw, we breasts. saw them arrest a scroll in the first episode. We so did. Th- they're aware of other alien species, but I guess they want to keep it human. I have no idea why. Um, poor Casey doesn't even know what a fish is. Poor Casey doesn't even know what a fish is. While, while witnessing the planet's destruction, the two Lokis hold hands, which causes a nexus event. This alerts the TVA, who appre- apprehends both Lokis. Which is actually a really good touch, because um, it, it's not just something in Loki. It's something that's like usually explained in all time-traveling properties, that if you and your past self was, was to physically touch, you would cause like cataclysmic events. Like if you went back in time and gave yourself a handshake, you would literally destroy reality in of itself. Right. So the whole so the whole fact that Loki and Sylvie touching hands physically caused this event is kind of cool. Yeah, and you know, obviously it's not the exact same thing because it's not the exact same Loki's touching, but you're right. Like we're we're told constantly constantly with paradoxes how those are created and um, one of the other things that I think is interesting is I feel like it's a commentary about loving yourself. <laughs> you know, I think it's a commentary about like loving yourself and forbidden loves, like all the time. Like, I don't love they, myself when they bring I don't in cause more cosmic <laughs> events. Sure, when people bring in <laughs> when they bring in the Lokis, you know, they they uh, Mobius shames Loki for kissing Sylvie he in does. a way I never he saw does. until like when you think about people of other sexual orientations that's what or that same, reminded me even of. same sex yeah just any you know any kind of sexual orientation other than heterosexual feels like it would be berated with the same kind of you know, inane statements that you're blowing my reality right now like whoa mobius chill yeah like they're chaos they can't love each other they're chaos okay what, what? we're gonna ruin everything that y'all built no, what are you kidding even, it's just our love Kang was a little bit weirded out by it he's like it's like, wow, two Lokis at the same time? This is kind of weird, but you know what? I dig it. I dig it. <laughs> like, Right. Uh, Renslayer keeps the Lokis away from each other, and Mobius ends up getting suspicious about things, thinking his big old boss ain't telling the truth. Um, and he ends up in- uncovering the same big TVA secret that the TVA was informed by the timekeepers. He goes to free Loki from his time cell, where he was trapped in a violent time loop with Sif. You want to talk a little bit about Jamie Alexander coming back? Oh, my girl. I love this girl. I was so excited when she was joined the MCU. For those that don't know, I get shamed by the group chat for my love of where I found her from. And that's Kyle XY. Kyle XY. I Good cannot old, believe. 
I used to it. watch that show every week. Every week. I loved that show. And yeah, so I've known Jamie Alexander's for a very long time. But this specific episode, like this, not episode, this moment right here of the repeated ball kicks. I think that was their way of literally speeding up Loki's character development quicker. It's like, listen, I know you guys sat through 10 years of Loki having to go through all of these little character changes, but we're just going to kick him in the balls a bunch of times. Yeah. And then he's finally going to realize, oh, I'm not meant to be loved because I just want attention and I'm a trickster. And And, and again, it's this negative reinforcement right it's again like know your place you're not allowed you're not allowed to get better or be better you are labeled in this as a malcontent that's just what you are that's what your story is going to be and through even from the first episode loki's like you don't tell my story but in the same sense he's constantly being told this ain't about you (laughs) so it's a very weird position to take as you live your life your life is the most important thing to you I'm assuming at one point you become a, a spouse or you get a partner and then that person is the most important thing to you. And then you have children and those are the most important things to you. Um, but to understand that Luke, for Loki to understand that he's not important in the grand scheme of things was very humbling with the, with the TVA. And then to not to then be told once he had the first moment of something that felt like he belonged where he's there with Sylvie and they're enjoying each other's company. He's told that that's perverted. He's told that that's dirty. That's that's wrong. Where do you go? Oh my god, you fell in love with yourself. No shit, I did. Where do you go? Where do you, you know, you understand when you're when you act the way they tell you uh you should act, you know, they t- then they write you off as a, a evil villain. And when you try to make your own path for yourself, they tell you you're not allowed to do that as well. And that's that free speech or free will, sorry, uh conversation that we were having earlier. Um yeah. so while the, that whole sifting is going on, Sylvie imparts Hunter B-15 with her original memories, proving that she was a variant. This goes to that tears and rain uh, moment that we have, very reminiscent of replicants figuring out what's going on. Yeah, that was so, that's so beautiful about Blade Runner is the whole thing was it was it, it was the Sylvie's fighting the TVA. Right. They knew they were replicants and they fought against it because they were just, well, most people, I don't know if you've seen, have you seen Blade Runner? No. Okay, so Blade Runner basically is, uh, we created robots to basically be our population, but we programmed them to die in like 100 years. Like they get like, no, 10 years. They get like a certain time span. Mm-hmm. You're a robot, you're created, but you only have like 10 years to live. And then you literally automatically shut down. Ah, these replicants figured out that they that they had a lifespan and they fought to change their lifespan. All they wanted to do was find the doctor that created them and up their lifespan a little bit longer. And it became this whole big bad uh, ideas like, oh, no, this person can't do this. This person can't do that. They're a replicant. They're and, a like, replicant. and like you're saying, Sylvie's a person who's basically being blamed for existing. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's like. Sad. Yeah. And uh, that's a that's still I still can't believe it. Like basically her her variant stream was she was born the wrong gender. And the fact that she was born the wrong gender and the gender that she is as a woman kind of like speaks to the way most people feel. Most pieces of shit feel like, oh, you're a woman. Oh, too mm-hmm. bad you weren't born a man or I would hire you for this position. Like this is mad messed up. But the, it, yeah, but the beautiful no. thing is it's Kang controlling it all. So. 
Like, uh, it was he who remains all along. Dun, 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 no, it was dun. Miss Minutes all along. <laughs> it really was. It really was. Um, so once they get back, Renslayer has Mobius pruned for his insubordination. And like you said, she was conflicted because they seemingly were friends. But to her, the TVA's mission is paramount because if it doesn't exist, if it's not real, then she has done unspeakable things for absolutely no reason. So she has Which- to dig her heels in. Which is basically the a lot of how they portray a lot of like officers and military, like you know, like not because the dark side, the dark side, dead. right? The empire, like you, 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 you gotta believe that to work there. You gotta yes. believe, you know, in, in their their beliefs. The Jedi took over and they tried to to assassinate the emperor and the Jedi yeah. are evil. Like you literally have to believe that, or otherwise. Oh my God! I literally just slaughtered <laughs> right. tens of thousands of kids for no. A hundred percent. So that's she's indoctrinated at this point. Even when presented with information that seemingly debunks her entire existence, she is still like she's still trying to hold on to that. I, when you have a narrative, it's 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 really the thing about like really religious people or people in cults. Like when that is the story you've been told your entire life, and then you're told that that story is not true. It's not. It's almost easier to dig your heels in the story, you know, that it is to say, you know what, I'm going to throw all my belief system away and try to start this whole thing from scratch. So I don't blame her at all for uh, her stuff, but she was put in a very odd position. Did you ever think that she knew more than she let on? Ravona? Yeah. No, 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 no. Because you see it all. You see it all the time. Not, not just in portrayed in media, but it's, it's in real life all the time is, I thought I was doing something good. They sold me A, B, and C, and all of a sudden D comes out the woodwork, and I'm actually wrong. Like you, you see it all the time of people thinking that they're applying for something for the greater good, and it turns out that they're just another cog in the sheet in the machine. Right. How heartbreaking is that? And especially when you think your glorious purpose is to rule the machine, to realize you're just a cog, it's disheartening as hell. It's a lot of, a lot of denial, a lot of denial because she knew what happened. Once they interviewed that girl, that's like, no, we're all variants. She probably did her own research. Or I mean, you saw her look at the camera, right? She's like, oh, shit. <laughs> she looked at the camera like, oh, <laughs> oh and, shit. And you also see what a lot of the times that she tried doing her research, Miss Minutes was giving her stuff like, yeah, the king will think that this was a lot better yeah. for you. Like, wait, but well, what are you talking about? Like, yeah, you know, just. Just go with this. Like, so she was definitely fighting that there's no way that there's no way, there's no way, there's no way. And you can't fight it any longer. Right. And that's why she started coming down around her her own free will. It almost reminds me of um, uh, Viva Vendetta, like the end of it. You know how like that whole political party was spiraling out of control, but the leader was still screaming and like, no, this is the right thing. Because what else? You've already Uh, done some crazy thing. I just name? I don't remember his name. I remember Norse Fire was the name of the <laughs> was the name of the political party. He was an alien. Um, the, uh, William Hurt, not William Hurt. It's not William Hurt. God, he was an he was an alien, and he's also the guy that gave Harry Potter his wand in the first Sorcerer oh, Stone movie. It? What is it, Oleander? It's John Hurt. John Hurt. John yeah. Hurt. Good, Good old, old Johnny John Hurt. Hurt. Yeah. Johnny Hurt. <laughs> Rest in peace to the legend. Uh, but yeah, they, 
Ravona has her homeboy prune, but then she's like, you know what? I'll bring you up to the TVA. You guys can sit and talk to the TVA. It's, I, mean, I mean, the timekeepers. I don't even care. Do you think she was surprised that they were animatronic lizards? I'm very confused as what the hell was supposed to happen there. Were they going to just pass on the, the the thing of like, you're, we've decided you are to be killed. And then the TVA people behind them just prune them. Like what was going to be the end result of bringing. Probably, it's probably, probably going to do the Ravona prune them type thing. What's worse is I want to say earlier in this episode, there was a scene of Ravona meeting with them. And so they gave her the same smoke and mirrors bullshit that they gave the Lokis. And she works probably. there. You know, so it's like. Okay, because, yeah, they get to this room and they see these three huge timekeepers. There's smoke and lasers and all this other kind of stuff going on. And they're they're talking to the timekeepers. But then all of a sudden, B-15 with her new memories, she defects from the TVA and helps Loki and Sylvie out. And they're able to take down the TVA agents in the area. And Sylvie decapitates one of the timekeepers before you realize that all of the timekeepers are androids being programmed from afar, evil Morty style. Or evil Rick style, I should say. Um, Sylvie and Loki have a tender moment before Ravona prunes Loki, sending him to what we will we'll refer to now as the void. And then Sylvie holds Renslayer for questioning, but Renslayer uses the opportunity to stall until security arrives. When Sylvie is surrounded, she uses the TVA baton on herself, sending herself to the void where our Loki is. I just said a whole lot there, Dan. What do you feel about all of that? What do you feel about Loki? Uh, Sylvie deciding. I like that moment where they're like, uh, if she has any good memories, and she's like, I have one, and then she prunes herself. I couldn't believe that she was going to prune. I mean, it, it's weird because if she would have pruned herself before the the realization that pruning brings you somewhere. Yeah. It probably would have been like a much more, oh my God, what the hell is she doing? This. But I guess if you're going to go by character uh, thoughts, she didn't mm. know what the hell was going to happen. She banked on the fact that pruning brings you somewhere. I like that she just did it in like the weird Japanese seppuku kind of. Oh, yeah. It's a guy. No, yeah. Because it's, one, that's in, in that culture, that's how you die of honor. Yeah. Like if you dishonor yourself, the, be- the, the way to die with honor is just right yeah. your your own katana right to the gut so like her holding it like that and doing it like that though is pretty cool um and then we get to the void uh, we find out that uh there is a place called the void where all the stuff that gets pruned goes because you can't destroy matter so once in the void loki meets other variants of himself including kid loki classic loki boastful loki and loki gator uh they tell him they've been trapped in the void but because they are loki's they survive as they are meant to. Everything in the void is in danger of being consumed by Alive, a trans-temporal entity and primordial, primordial cloud that absorbs and conquers whichever reality it touches. Loki and Sylvie work together to enchant Alive and get past it with the help of classic Loki. Um, once they get rid of him, they find a citadel and in it, Miss Minutes introduces them to He Who Remains. So before we get to He Who Remains... Let's talk about these variant Lokis. Let's talk about the void. Uh, what'd you like about that episode? I'm so happy that we managed to get a vote Loki variant. Like literally, like we we read the comic. And I think I, I could was there an episode before this up uh, that Loki in the void episode? Like, yeah, we there- were told we were told that 
episode three or four was going to have the vote Loki in it. So we thought that we were right on time, but it ended up showing up in Loki episode five. And as many people have pointed out, there are tremendous amounts of uh, misdirects in the trailer (laughs) for uh, this series that have not come to pass yet. Uh, One of the things that people point to a lot is Loki on the throne of Asgard. Um, that's been shown in all the trailers, people assumed that maybe this was going to be the big bad at the end of it. And that could have been the breadcrumb trail that Marvel tried to lead us on before pulling the rug out from under us. But I, I dug I dug all the variant Lokis. It was cool to see Kid Loki from the comics, uh, Alligator Loki. Crocodile um, Loki has my heart. That's it. It's Loki, Loki Gator? Locodile. Locodile has Locodile. my heart. He's a Loki Gator, sir. We actually have Loki Gator shirts on uh, comicbooktech.com. So go ahead and oh, yeah, what, I, that's I, one I of those. I still don't know the difference between a gator and a, a gator and a crocodile. Something about the teeth. That's like an overbite underbite thing. Uh, I'm not 100 percent sure which one's which, but it's, it's listen. If about you're the teeth. if you are close enough to 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 be able to differentiate the teeth of an alligator or a crocodile, I think you're too close. It's not worth it, bro. It's not worth it. Uh, so yeah, let's get into the main event of it. Uh, we find. He who remains, uh, and basically get an introduction to the multiverse because we meet he who remains, uh, the person running all this, and we get his backstory. So, while living on Earth, the man who will be known as he who remains discovered the existence of alternate universes and versions of himself. One of these variants, a scientist from the 31st century, caused them all to meet each other and they would share knowledge and technology. However, some of his variants saw the alternate universes as spaces to rule or conquer over thus starting a multiversal war where all of his variants are fighting for supremacy to be the ruler of all of the multiverse after one of his variants discovers Eliath, he who remains harnessed the power of Eliath. he became Eliath became almost kind of he who remains attack dog and he sicked he Eliath on all of the other timelines all the other well, universes if you really think of it it's kind of very greek mythology-esque with like the three-headed dogs guarding oh cerberus cerberus yes it's like it's like cerberus guarding the fucking the underworld and hades is sitting on the other side like they had they literally had to enchant Eliath to be able to get to the sacred uh, to get to the citadel at the end of time yeah, he's the he's so really the guard to fight dog. Three headed dog to get to Hades, which is kind of crazy. And not only is that, that the guard dog just for this citadel, but again, this this entity was sick on on whole timelines, took out entire timelines, and now sits at the end of time in case anyone wants to anyone got beef with he who remains. <laughs> so it's it's crazy that he was able to harness a attack dog like that. Um, so he isolates his native timeline, dubs it the sacred timeline, and then creates the TVA to govern and protect it from being overrun by his variants. Um, let's talk a little bit about the man, Jonathan Majors, playing the uh, man, the myth, the legend. The so, the thing, so the thing is, he was already confirmed to be Kang in Quantum Mania, and besides yeah. having a lot of ties to um time he also has a lot of times to fantastic for that character because the character is originally nathaniel richards a um descendant of reed richards who you know does the whole kang is the scientist that you know eventually decides that to means conquer reed is a black man in the mcu i'm gonna love it i i, I do wonder how much they're gonna tie this into the eventuality of us getting the fantastic four in the mcu but this is a good start um 
you know, bringing him in this way. So we knew he was going to play Kang. So seeing him play. No, that's what I'm saying. When he, when the, when the doors opened and I'm looking and I'm watching, I'm like, is that Jonathan Majors? Holy shit. It's Kang. It's Kang, guys. It's Kang. And Kang was somebody that people had been theorizing to be behind us all the way from the beginning. And it turns out that, you know, it, it kind of isn't Kang. You find out that this is one of the many variants of the man that will eventually be Kang. Or, but it's perfect. Um, it, it's what I always say all the time. Like, if you can give me another version of a version, like, don't give me Earth 626 Spider-Man. If you want to give me, like, a Spider-Man from another universe and then just have the name Spider-Man, do it. You know, like, so to give me this kind of Kang, but stick with the purple and green getup. I think I think I've told you this before, but, you know, I'm always I'm always been a big fan of people so scared of a villain that they talk about him before he shows up. They do this in Daredevil season one. Yep. You have mentioned that before where they speak of Fisk, but you never see Fisk and him. He who remains being this timeless, powerful man still like creating this entire thing to stop seemingly one variant is really exciting. me, (laughs) And I feel like they had to like make up three robotic space lizards just to subvert your expectations to stop the worst of himself uh feels feels like something big is happening um what did you think of he who remains and the reveal that he was the head of the tva i mean it 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 kind of is obvious yeah especially the, the second the second you look up ravona and you see who her boyfriend is it's it, it was the effect of finding out Agatha was in WandaVision and you're like, okay, if Agatha's in WandaVision, how far along is Mephisto? People still laugh at that. People still laugh of the at the uh hi, my name is Agatha Harkness because we all were like, yeah, we know, just get past it. We know it. you are, honey. <laughs> get past you're it. You're literally wearing it. the crest. Like, right. She was literally wearing the crest. We know who you are, sweetheart. And then with with my freaking um what do you call it? Uh impatience, I wanted this review in episode five. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I thought with pacing, you know you what? That the- would have been a good way to close out the penultimate and yeah. then get the final episode with all the reveals. But they kind of did shoot themselves in the foot by not giving us the penultimate of that. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know. People are theorizing that they had shot more, but because of COVID, they couldn't do it. That people are also theorizing that's why may- they may be getting a season two. I don't have any confirmation on any of those things. But what I do know is that. It, it, the pacing did feel off here. You know, we talk about that right there with the whole he who remains reveal. But then if you pair that with the lamentus of it all, it's like, what are you, why are you dribbling? Why are you on the treadmill? We got a story to tell. Especially <laughs> like, since those were like literally only three episodes apart from each other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and these, and these are like 30 to 40 minute episodes. How far could you really go in like two hours and 20 minutes? So what's interesting is Kate Heron, the, the director of this, um, she was talking about casting Jonathan Majors. And she said that casting him was a very surreal experience. When I joined the project, we always knew that Loki and Sylvie were going to see He Who Remains and that the multiverse will be released. Uh, so I already knew that when I got the job, that it was going to be a massive undertaking to do that and a big responsibility for Marvel to get it right. And Jonathan Majors is an actor that we were all just blown away by. I think everyone who knows his work is blown away by him. And when I knew 
I, and when I knew we had Jonathan, he and I were solely focused on he who remains and this version of the character, this variant. The Quantumania casting happened at the same time. So basically, Ant-Man director Peyton Reed and I were in that discussion with Kevin Feige and the team at Marvel. We knew he was going to be in Quantumania and we knew a version of him was going to be in Loki. So imagine trying to cast for both. Both versions of that. He's got to be amazing. Two different versions of the same character from the same actor. That's bananas. That's that's crazy. Um, and from other interviews and stuff that I heard, the jumping on the table was improv. Improv. That looks improv. I'll not even. I'm not even gonna hold you. That when looks he, improv. Um, when he jumped on the table and did the squat, that looked improv. One hundred percent. One of the other things that I found out was that supposedly uh, he's a classically trained clown. Jonathan Majors Wait, is. Jonathan Majors is trained in vaudeville. Yes. Uh, Pagliacci, uh, whatever. Whatever, whatever formal form of that it is. It's like Pagliacci or some shit like that. Yeah. And so uh, he used a lot of that. That's why there was so much physicality in his portrayal of He Who Remains. And I think that physicality uh, represents a limitless energy that I feel a restless man would have at the end of time. (laughs) Does that make sense? Like he don't get a lot of company and stuff. So he's just like out and about and like speaking up speaking to them on these terms he like i am so surprised well yeah think of it like how many people how many how many people has he had communication with that wasn't miss minutes that's it seemingly so yeah he was definitely ramped up beyond 10 because he's like oh god people are here i get to talk to people but he speaks of everything with uh unimportance of someone who's seen everything Right. Like even when he's threatened with death, he's like, are you what are you doing? Like, what, are you, what, is, what is this about? I loved his portrayal of this and I love the playfulness of it because he's going to turn on a dime with Kang. Kang is going to be a completely different opposite character of this. So when we see oh, him, we're going to we're not even going to realize how big it's going to be. Yeah, we're going to think all oh, is funky dory. And then he's going to turn on a dime and it's about to be a wrap. So I'm very interested in that. And yeah, very interested in, again, the 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 clown college kind of uh you know, portrayal of this. I can't believe that man was trained in vaudevillian. That's what you, crazy. What do you think about that? You're saying that you're directing. He just jumps on the table. <laughs> they said I, they moved the okay, cameras to I'm try to follow him and stuff. But yeah, if I'm a director and I'm doing that scene and he literally jumps on the table. I'm just going to be like pan in, pan in. And that's what they did. They panned yeah. in on him. They yeah. did an over the shoulder pan in. And that's exactly what I would say. Pan in right now. I want you to get from bottom of knees Two shoulder, like get me him squatting on the table with both Loki's shoulders uh, looking over. Like that shot was gorgeous. I've seen that some people criticize shot. the episode as being an episode that basically takes place at a table. I didn't have any problem because again, okay. I thought that and? I thought that uh, Jonathan Majors was enigmatic as hell, and like I just wanted to see what was going on with that character. I loved like. I love the whole, I'm tired, guys. You know, I'm just, <laughs> I'm tired. I've been doing this for way too long. I like that. I like Granny when he yelled at. Successor, and I haven't found anybody worthy enough. I like when he yelled at Sylvie. You made it here. When he tells Sylvie that she needs to grow up. I love that. Because again. He, he says it from, he says it from such a place of, you don't understand yeah, that right. you are small. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like you, you're, you're complaining about, we're on the Titanic. And you're complaining that your shoes untied, you know, like in the really? grand scheme of things, this is not 
You're a blip, and this it's is all. The whole, it's the it's the whole shoulder movement. He's just like, ah, bro, ah. But how do you feel about that? Because I, like I said again, like Kang is looking at, or sorry, he who remains is looking at this entire world and all of its inhabitants. But Sylvie doesn't have to care about any of that, right? So it doesn't have to care about any of that. It'd be like if the mayor of New York was like, you know what, we're to 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 make sure that we all have equal power we're going to take out one person's house and that'll be dan's house and for the betterment of new york we're going to blow up dan's house so that everyone has but better I mean, water and better power it's I, like I, it's new york weird. will be fine with it but you should should you be asked to see the bigger picture is what i'm trying to say should sylvie be blamed for not seeing the bigger picture when literally the only picture she has is her life i mean in a sense it's like yes and no i don't know how to be able to accurately say it it's like you are being selfish if you don't let your one house get destroyed for to make sure a thousands of children are not in the street but also yeah. it's selfish of everybody to ask this one person to be uncomfortable like both parties are selfish in what they're being asked to do because like there's no way i'm letting myself be pruned so everything in existence can go because then what happens to me but also i feel selfish if i don't do it right and like we said this is not a sylvie who can see the big picture we're we, he's, he's finally with a loki who can see the big picture because he was shown the events of his sacred timeline loki and shown his insignificance in this world but from the very beginning this was always meant to be sylvie killing the people who made her life a living hell so you know there's a constant narrative that this isn't loki's story and i think when loki tells her like maybe we should believe him in her head she's like this is not about you either bro like i'm glad that we're we're cool and i'm glad that we did this but i was set on this path before i met you i'm glad you feel a certain type of way about me but i got things to do and it's to kill yeah, this kept, kept saying i'm gonna finish this i'm gonna finish this oh every stop on the journey um, just leads to more frustration because it's more of a mystery. It's more of a, you know, the man behind the curtain with uh, Wizard of Oz style, you know? So she's just getting increasingly frustrated and now seemingly has the person she wants to kill at dagger point. And Loki's like, no, I think we should believe him. And the worst part is he literally can't see the future no more. Yeah, we should talk about that. So he's sitting there and he's explaining to them that basically like he wants to make a deal with them. He says that, even though you guys are aiming to kill me, if I die, you're going to unleash the multiverse and thus, just like last time, the multiversal war because versions of him will do the same thing, try to conquer again, and it's all just going to reset again. So he tells them that they should run the TVA moving forward, but Sylvie is suspicious and still hell bent on killing the person who made her life so miserable. You know, she's very targeted. And Loki like holds her and is like, like I know, I know what you've this been. means to yeah. you, but you yeah. got to like... This yeah. is Loki, Loki in Avengers one, you know, like really rule, rule Midgard and kill Thor. Is that really your goal, bro? Was that really what you thought about when you were little? No, it wasn't. But you're so turned off by everything and everyone that why not burn it all down? Um, Sylvia, you know? go ahead, brother. No, I was just ad living. Oh, yeah. But it's like she had a choice there and she makes it. Loki, please for her to stop. Uh, they kiss. But Sylvie sends Loki back to a tv at a headquarters yeah <laughs> um she ends up killing he, he who remains who you know like i said kind of like laughs and says see you later 
Um, a little fun fact. He was also the voice behind the timekeepers, Jonathan Majors. Um, and when they get disconnected and they kind of laugh. Yeah. So he, so he was the one that was saying, you are insignificant to the timeline and stuff yeah. like that. Really? And when they when she beheads them and they kind of like laugh and go offline, you can hear somebody in the background go, see you soon. Wow. He, <laughs> so, he was literally puppeteering them bastards. Yeah. Wizard of Oz, bro. Wizard of Oz. Oz. He was literally doing the I am Oz. Great and powerful. The great and powerful he who remains. Don't, um, don't watch great and powerful people. Don't watch. No, Oz. don't watch that. No. Don't watch Seth Austin. Rogen wouldn't want you to watch it. That's important. He definitely uh, wouldn't. <laughs> but yeah, he who remains is killed by Sylvie, unleashing a multiverse with alternate timelines that the TVA can't prune. It's just gone out, out of control. But before his death, like you There's said, like, timelines like you could see branches were creating branches. Yeah, it was going way <laughs> too fast and seemingly all meant to happen because before the events of his death, um, he who remains sensed something in the ether and it cut off his ability to, to know what happens all throughout time. So something has happened that, in my opinion, doesn't have to do with these Lokis that set things on a path to allow this to happen, which will then allow for the multiversal war. Uh, we might be getting secret wars, bro. You understand? We might be getting that comic where all the Thors and all the Spider-Man and all the... I want original sin so I can have an excuse to fuck can have this podcast read original sin because original sin and illuminati are two of my favorite marvel stories ever we'll get to original sin because we got watcher coming up we'll maybe do it for uh what if for the backup for what if oh please because anybody that hasn't read original sin oh my god there is no reason for marvel to just have you thought avengers disassembled was just events after events of chaos yeah, original sin had no reason to just go chaotic after chaotic after chaotic. and it's only like i think like six seven issues yeah like it's, yeah. A, it's relatively a short story very but much like this it blows open the doors of the marvel universe and changes a lot of things that people knew to be facts original sin actually changed the continuity of marvel forever yeah everything yeah. that happened in original sin creep changed like that that's now why marvel is the way it is because original sin Alex would tell you, good and old seemingly, tell you. seemingly the MCU is the way it is because of Loki on both occasions, uh, the bringing of the Avengers. And then, you know, this happened um, after seeing what she caused. Sylvie kind of just cries. And I think it's just that idea of like revenge, not for being fulfilling. And well, I think it, once it she killed him, she beauty of it. Yeah. When she, killed him, she saw the branching timeline. So she realized that what he was saying was true. No, yeah, she was. That's what's so beautiful is she was actually able to, with her own eyes, not see a monitor screen showing little animations. She was seeing with her own eyes the timeline that was in a circle around the citadel, just branch and branch and branch and branch. And now she's seeing this like quasar of yeah. events being born all by her. How does she get eyes. back? How does she? I guess she has a tempad, so she can probably get back, but it's like. Where does she go back to? What 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 happens? What next? is there to go back to now? I don't know. Where can you go back? Like not where can you is in the like you know where can you go? I mean like literally where is where? Where is that definition of where to go? If now yeah. there is no yeah. such thing as a one singular timeline. At the quote unquote, At the quote unquote 
TVA headquarters, Loki warns Mobius and B-15 about the variants of He Who Remains. And I that got very Thanos vibes. It's like, he's coming, he's coming. <laughs> uh, I really like that. He's like, you know, he's, he's, he's terrifying. <laughs> he lives at the end of the void. He's terrifying and his variants are coming. But they do not recognize Loki. And he sees that the statue of one of the variants that he was talking about has replaced those of the timekeepers. Sylvie has unleashed the Marvel Cinematic Multiverse and has kicked Loki to some alternate timeline in which one of the variants has already created the TVA. Uh, who knows where the hell this leaves us off? And this is seemingly going to open the door for season two, which we are, or has already been confirmed via the show. Uh, what do you think about season two? What do you think about this ending where he's not recognized by the rest of the TVA members? Where do you think this is going? I think it was always I think it was always meant to go there, like not in the I predicted this, but as soon as it gets there, it's like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, that looks like they're that's that's exactly what they would go. But I'm also in of the same idea of, yo, two women have now just caused the multiverse in the next 15 years of the MCU. Yeah, I, I actually thought that WandaVision was going to be the show to do this. And the thing is, I think kind of did, though. What, I, what I'm trying to say is I believe now. It's not going to be one event that breaks the multiverse. They're going to shatter this thing. <laughs> it's oh, going to be several, yeah. several different uh, acts that will just completely shatter and ruin all this. Because we already know Spider-Man is at the end of this year. That won't solve the multiverse stuff because we got Doctor Strange after that. So we'll be dealing with the effects of these branching timelines for quite some bit before it all gets resolved. And who knows what the world's going to look like when that happens. So I think all of that is extremely interesting. Um, but yeah, I, overall, I dug the series. I think that it, it asked a lot of big questions. I was more interested in the effects of the overall Marvel Cinematic Universe because I felt like we got two kind of self-contained stories. But ultimately, all of this stuff is going to um, is ultimately going to pay off in the future. If so I I'm excited honest, about all that. It wasn't my favorite. Like, I always like to say that there's a difference between something being a favorite and something being a best. Something can be your favorite and not necessarily even to you be the best. Right. My favorite, Dis my favorite Disney Marvel show right now is WandaVision. Like there is just so much that I could physically go back to and watch without having to be engulfed into the story. I could throw on a very special episode or a Halloween spooktacular and actually genuinely enjoy the content I'm watching. I can go in don't change that dial or stay tuned and be like, Oh, look at, look at the Dick Van Dykeness. Look at the, the Brady bunch and full house and, and, you know, all in the family and stuff like that. Like there was a lot of WandaVision where aesthetically I'm just like, this is appealing to me, but Loki, Loki is the smartest writing. It's the best writing. It's, it, it's just all around. There is nothing Nothing that tops the questions Loki was asking to whereas I look at it as WandaVision was tackling a lot of mental health. Right. And uh, Hawkeye and uh, Hawkeye, a uh, black, uh, black uh, widow, not black widow, uh, Falcon, Falcon and Winter, Winter Soldier, Soldier were covering a lot of political and a lot of like uh, identity politics. Yeah. But Loki was like, like uh, Jonathan Yogi said, asks you, who are you? Yes. Yes. And for um, that and matter alone, it's it's just the best writing I have seen in a long time. I think that 
they did because this is the first villain centric thing that they did you know uh um dc had already done joker at this point um it really it really tries to sit and define what makes a good person what makes a bad person and we talk all the time about how a good person doesn't have to be born good or stay good they have to actively choose to try to be good um so it makes you really question what loki's motivations are and what he is at the end of the day whether he's a hero or a villain they make it seem like the timeline is created so that you can't change your stripes, but Loki survive. Loki's, uh, you know, carry on. We had that story of the Loki who hid, uh, you know, and was able to hide from Thanos, uh, a kind of an Easter egg to a popular fan theory that Loki didn't die in Infinity War and instead transformed himself into kind of like space debris to trick the Mad Titan. And so they actually play with that idea with this classic Loki. And we find out ultimately that Loki and humans all need a purpose they all need a purpose just surviving is not how you live your life because you will it's just a hamster wheel forever that's all you'll be thinking about is just surviving you have to want to thrive you have to want to have something to fight for and it's the first time i felt like loki had those things all of a sudden it's not about survival and just getting past to the next day and getting free it's about living and enjoying that life you live with the people that you care about and he was getting that life with mobius and with sylvie and gets that stuff ripped out from under him it's hard not to see him react after he gets kicked from sylvie that big silent sad moment it's oh hard- my god that was probably one of the greatest visual actings tom hiddleston has ever pulled out of his ass it's hard to see that and not think of all the things that Sif said about him not deserving love or the things that Mobius said or the things he's been told since birth about him not being welcome or belonging or any of those. But, things. but the beautiful part about it is he, she shaked it off, took it in stride. And instead of being selfish and a coward and being his Loki way, he went to warn Mobius, like, listen, we got to act fast. This person is scary and dangerous. Like he could have literally have done anything he wanted. He's like, you know what? The world's over. World's over. I'm going to go rule Asgard. Let me go steal a tempad and rule Asgard. Yeah. But he did it. He went straight to Mobius and was like, listen, we have to, we have to stop this. Like this is big. He, that, that is like how you say what makes or breaks a hero is trauma. Yeah. He took his trauma in stride and continued to try and do the right thing to save humanity. People he don't know, like faceless. That is people so he don't know. much more of a greater character development for Loki than what Ragnarok did for him. What sacred timeline Loki, like you said, sacred timeline. Yeah, whatever, whatever sacred timeline Loki went through is nothing compared to the development timeline two Loki went through. We also still got to remember that sacred timeline Loki did steal the Tesseract. And he didn't steal it to keep it from Thanos. No, he still wanted it. Right. So maybe he still had another villainous turn to make. You understand? Like, we often look at Sacred Timeline Loki as the the hero. And when Timeline 2 Loki realized that the Tesseract was literally a child's toy, a trinket, he's like, you know what? Forget this. I don't want this. Like, yeah. this This is a much more heroic Loki. And I am so here for this heroic Loki. I don't care. Give me it. Give me a Loki that is so broken that he decides to do what's right instead of what's wrong. Yeah. And it's all about that personal choice. It's all about that free will. And I want to thank you guys for having the choice of listening to the Majors' podcast, reviewing Loki. Of all things, um, you know, we love covering MCU content, DC content, independent comic book content. But we miss the MCU so much. We've been able to cover Black Widow last week, Loki this week. 
Uh, next week, I we'll literally be doing- cried. I won't lie. I cried in theaters when the when the Marvel Studios logo played. Oh, and we had that awesome Marvel Studios montage vo- voiceover montage. We didn't even at, bring uh, that up. Oh my God, that is the greatest opening in anything that has ever existed. Not just Marvel. I'm talking about show, movie, music, anything. That is the greatest opening that ever existed. We thought we had a vast amount of content considering we had created an entire cinematic universe, but now we're going to bust that open. All of what we've seen so far for the last 10 years is going to be dwarfed by what's going to happen in the next 10. And that's incredibly exciting. But the fun thing is, while you go on that journey, we'll be going on that journey simultaneously. So oh, join we'll be us. with you guys. We'll, yeah. we'll, we will. Li- I, well, he's older than me, but I will literally <laughs> be 35 years old covering uh, Miss Marvel 2 in theaters. And, you know, it, it don't yeah. matter. We're going to be here. Slate. And we got some good DC stuff coming up with the Batman, with Shazam, Fury of the Gods, with Titan Season 3, with Stargirl. So the content is going to be hot and heavy. Oh, God. We have, Patrol, we have Umbrella Academy. We have The Boys. It's all Yo, coming Lock and back. Key season 2 is going to come. Like I know a lot of people haven't seen Lock and Key. Something's killing that. the children we're going to be covering soon to prepare for oh. its Netflix release. We got so much stuff. Do not miss what we got going on here. Tell the us latest and greatest. What's going on. Latest and greatest. Uh, so... First of all, thank you for listening to this episode. You know, every single episode of the Major Issues Podcast is available at comicbookclick.com, which is also the one stop for all of our stuff, our merchandise that I create. Uh, that's available at tpublic.com. You can find that at comicbookclick.com if you just hit that shop CBC link. You can hit the support CBC button to become a patron of ours and help independent content creators, us, us independent content creators create content and keep the lights on by donating less than 10 cents a day. $3 a month is all it takes to become a patron of comic book click and the major issues podcast and help us keep our lights on here as we continue our journey to our glorious purpose. You can also uh, write reviews on iTunes. It's the quickest way for us to grow as podcasters and find out what you like and what you don't. And also it helps increase our audience when they see that we're a five-star podcast talking about comics people are looking to join these conversations and don't point them the wrong way point them don't point them to other variants of comic book click we're the prime send them to us and we'll take care of them but when you get here once you've listened to some episodes once you've bought some merchandise once you felt as a member of the click you know what the next step is contact us we want to know how you feel about loki black widow Bond Division. Any one of these topics, you are welcome to be a guest on if you are able to get your opinions heard by going to facebook.com slash comic book click, Instagram at comic book click, or if you use the hashtag comic book click to talk about the newest, hottest, latest, and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media. We also are on Twitter at Major Issue CBC posting dank memes and podcast schedules all willy nilly. So yeah, join us across the social media, uh, sacred, the sacred social media timeline. Um, Write to us, become our friends, like, share, and subscribe, tell a friend to tell a friend. Let's grow this as big as we can. Oh, well, you already all of our this friends. Off. We just don't know you yet. That's like, it. You're and our the, friends. And I've been to the future, you know, and I've seen this thing become the latest and greatest things to come to Compass Compass Media. I've seen the face. Were there no Nexus events in that the, future? The face of the statue changed, Dan. That's all <laughs> I'm going to say. You understand? The statue is like Planet of the Apes all over again. The <laughs> statue has changed. <laughs> The statue has changed. I can't tell you what happens that makes us become that. But I'm just telling that Abraham you, Lincoln is a monkey now. 
that's it. We are the Babe Ruth rookie card of podcasts. Get in on us oh, now yes. because we will be worth millions and trillions in the future. Get in. I'm giving you the stock tip. Get in on comic book kick early because we are going to the moon. But I think that's about it. Next week, we'll be covering <laughs> Batman 66, the film. That'll be quite fun. And then we are doing a uh, basically two-part Suicide Squad 2016 and Suicide Squad. Oh, yeah. So, so um, next, week, next week is the Adam West Batman. Sorry, 20, and then, yeah, then 2017, sorry, Suicide Squad. And, uh, and then the beautiful fans get me for the next three weeks. Yes, 2021 will be um when we do the suicide squad so yeah we got some big stuff coming i know all you guys are going to watch this content so go ahead watch it write to us we love each and every one of you we're watching the numbers grow we're watching the merchandise being bought we are incredibly thankful for all of your support and all of the interactions we're able to have over the over 180 episodes we've been able to produce here but onward and to the next uh, episode next week my name is george serrano aka the don I am Dan, the comic book TV man. The variant. And this has been. (laughs) And this has been our Loki season one recap and review. And remember, whether you're the best or worst version of yourself, whether you have an alligator variant, a frog variant, or you are the USU in all the finite curve of the multiverse. Remember, we are the click. Remember for all time, always. And remember that you Yes, you are worthy.